Hey Vogel fam, just wanted to hop on really quick and set this episode up. We have Kari Reagan on this week, and you're really in for a treat hearing about her upcoming book uh, and just all kinds of stuff about her her journey into vocology land, um, singing voice specialist, and uh, it's it's a real it's a real treat of an episode. Also wanted to just say. Sorry that I did not get around to having the follow-up of the cliffhanger from last week uh, with Dr. Glasner on Picard PhD in terms of spectral moments. I promise that will get up by next week, but Josh and Sarah and I did not have a chance to get to record together this week to review what was a phenomenal, heartwarming, emotional uh episode of Star Trek Picard. And so I'm sure we'll look forward to doing two episodes next week. Um, but it was actually my fault. Um, I had to take uh, Charlie to a Pelicans game out of town. And so we had a lot of fun. But um, this week, also wanted to say, please wash your hands. We sort of, you know, have a little laughable moment early on in the episode about the fact that Sarah had a sinus infection. But as we're getting into more serious territory, um, I don't think we need to panic as a society, but we do want to follow CDC recommendations. We want to be washing hands. We want to be sanitizing hands. As multiple universities and academic conferences are now starting to close, um, do hiatuses, this kind of thing, I just want to put this out there right away. That now is not the time to panic. This is not the time to panic. If you are a healthy individual, you will probably be just fine, even if you get it. But we just want to be following science, listening to medical experts, not voice teachers. And what medical experts are saying right now is to wash your hands. Wash your hands and try to avoid as much close human contact um, as, as you can in public at least. So with that being said, little disclaimer at the beginning of the episode, but a real treat for the vocal fam. Kari, we've been trying to have Kari on for months and it was so exciting to finally get this set up. So without further ado, here we are with Kari Reagan. You're listening to the Vocal Fry Podcast, your weekly dash of voice science, pedagogy, and pop culture. Coming to you from the third formant, everyone's favorite buzzsaw. Well, hi guys, how are you? Oh, it's Good. so great to finally get this together. It is. Yes. Oh, I'm not going to be on camera, right? No. Oh, no, 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 no. Sorry, I all of a sudden thought Nat's chat and panicked about... <laughs> nope. No, no one will see it whatsoever. Yes, in Nat's chat, you actually... Uh, have to you know look like a certain way or something but sarah and i, I uh no oh yeah like if i'm being honest guys i'm 100 percent wearing pajama bottoms you know why because y'all can't even see that <laughs> we do that on matt's chat as well where i make everybody stand up and i show them what sweat bottoms i have on the you know <laughs> i am wearing fuzzy pajama pants because it's that kind of day it's okay like the top half of me looks all right like i got you know i'm dressed it's sarah, all good sarah's actually fighting a little so bit of a funny. sinus infection so uh 
I'm uh, sorry. Yeah. Well, that's how I convinced myself. Like it's all, it's all okay. We were just uh, on the on on the ep- we this we're doing two episodes today. We're recording two episodes today. Yeah. Um, oh. Your episode will your actually heart. your episode will actually go up next weekend. Mm-hmm. Okay. But um, who but else are you? Who else next? We had Yvonne and um, Yvonne Lori. Redmond and Lori Sonnenberg on because they're presenting together at National, yeah. so they were on yeah. earlier today. Uh, oh, what a great pair! Yes, it was so fun. It was a lot of fun. Um, but uh, I, I felt bad for poor Sarah. She's off, you know, fortu- fortunately not fighting anything okay. more serious. Uh, yeah, it's just like a sinus infection. Like in our in our current uh, world right now, I have more pressing medical concerns than than Sarah's right, sinus like infection. It, it yeah. could be a lot worse. <laughs> right. So, vocal fam. We have been trying to get this organized for very many months, and I have wanted to have Kari Reagan on the podcast for a very, very long time. And uh, because, well, for many reasons, but um, she's, we're going to tell you all about her book that's coming out um, this spring, and we're going to tell you, I, I've wanted to have her on to talk about her framework for evidence-based voice pedagogy for over a year now and you're a huge fan i'm a big fan uh, especially of, yeah of that. and yeah. uh and just i'm just so glad that we finally were able to make it happen because she is an incredibly busy yeah. human um as is evidenced by her schedule um but uh so kari welcome to vocal fry thank you so much i'm thrilled to be here and thank you for your patience getting me on Oh, I mean. Oh no, it's fine. Everybody's got crazy schedules. I mean, that's Me been too. our life the past what two months, where we're like, "Hey, okay, so so and so is you know free this day, but we're not, but this, and it eventually all works out." It yeah. does. It, it does. <laughs> that's, that's the key. Kara, you you have a really interesting life that you've sort of got yourself to as a singing voice specialist, voice teacher, singer, etc. Um, and, and sort of a unique um, perspective before you know before we get into your you know sort of publications and, and work how did you get to be what you are now where how did you get there <laughs> I mean how does one become a singing voice specialist who also works with laryngologists who's also a voice teacher who's also how do you, how do you get there well, through a windy, windy road and life that leads you unexpected places, right? I mean, when you think back to when we're 18 and 20 and in college and we have these dreams, right? And life's going to look a certain way. And um, it's always surprising now at this age to look back and think, okay, that wasn't the path I expected. Mm -hmm. But I feel so lucky because I absolutely know I'm doing the work I was meant to be doing and all that incredible education at Indiana University and, you know, other other aspects of my education have led me to that. But I have to say that the falling into the SVS work was so coincidental. Really? Um, And it. Uh, it was yes, I was it was in the early 2000s. I had just moved back from living abroad and um, had a studio. I'd always I've had an independent studio since I was 18 years old. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah, I, I should not have been teaching back then. Right. I joke, <laughs> I joke that all those students, you know, probably deserve a refund. But I had a college <laughs> teacher, my first college teacher who connected me to a local high school and off I went. And then when I transferred to Indiana University, 
I immediately set up a studio there as well. So I've been teaching uh, really as my primary income since I was 19, probably. Um, Yeah. So then I. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Even it. Even all my years at IU, I had a, a full time private studio. So then I when I came back from living abroad, I, you know, built my private studio back up and uh I just, there was one particular student that I was noticing something in their speaking voice. This was early 2000, 2001. I'd not, I knew nothing about the pond that I was wading into called singing voice specialty. Right. I, I mean, I had no idea what was in store for me, both the reaction of colleagues to who should be doing this work. You know, we'll leave that aside for now. <laughs> and sure. I, happened to have in my private studio previous to moving to Europe, um, three daughters from a dad who was an ENT. Okay. And this is how little I knew. I said, well, gosh, I have this student that I'm hearing something actually more in their speaking voice, a little in their singing voice. One of my students' dad's an ENT. Of course, back then, knowing nothing about the variability between the types of otolaryngologists. And back then, I don't even, the laryngology specialist was, you know, just starting to come right. into play. So I sent this student off, and I had the grace of not only he already knew me, Dr. Fa, who's retired, but he had on staff Marty Nevdal, who is this remarkable human and speech-language pathologist, who um, until recently was running the clinic a supervisor of the clinic at the speech and hearing you a dub program. Okay. And he was so gracious to get on the phone to me and t- say, here's what we saw. And I'm looking at these words thinking, wow, okay, we're, we're using anatomy now. Mm-hmm. But, right. I mean, I was so naive because 20 years ago, right. We just right. weren't talking. Anyway, long story short, Marty Nebdal has been an angel in my life for 20 years and he invited me up to the clinic and I would go and observe and hang out with them. And so I was doing that work long before I started at the University of Washington uh, because of this doctor, this ENT, whose daughter studied with me. And he was an ENT voice specialist. So you really did just fall into it, sort of. Yep. And I started doing this work and more and more I realized I had this ear for things and I thought, well, we've got this thing. It seems like we should use these knowledgeable people. I was yeah. so naive. And so then a few about 2009, I think 2008, I thought, well, gosh, I bet other teachers would like to know about this. Still not knowing that there was this thing called the Voice Foundation where this work had been going on. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I uh, wrote a presentation for Nats and sent it in, and they paired me with Lita Scarce and Karen Wickland huh? um, to do a presentation together, they as the SLP SVSs and I as the singing teacher SVS. And I got on the phone with Karen Wickland, who was so gracious, and I said, gosh, do I need to go back to school? I, now, I'd completed my doctorate in 2005. Mm-hmm. Should I go back to school and, and become an SLP? And I talked to Marty Nevdal and everybody said, you know what? Most of that work has nothing to do with voice in the SLP training. Right. Very, very little of it. So, no, you've got this doctorate. I, I don't think you need it. 
Karen Wickland had just come up with this um, training program that she only would let a few t- people in at a time. And it's, it was extensive, 125 hours. It, wow. she, she modeled it after uh, SLP training. Hmm. She, the fellowship that an SLP has to go through yeah. post-work, post-academic um, work. And uh, so I went through that program. And then the three of us did our NATS presentation. And uh, oh boy, did I have an eye-opening experience at that Nats conference when I walked into a lion's den of arguments about who belongs to do this work. Oh my and- goodness. I just can't even imagine. I mean, like just to try knowing sort of where our conversations as a community have gone over the last, you know, 20 years with all that. I can't even imagine like walking into it sort of naive about, and I, wow. Um, yeah, it was, I was, uh, let's just say I was, very hurt, very offended, but I've come yeah. out on the other side and continued to be an advocate for voice teachers to be doing this work and continue to challenge people to identify their scope of practice and stay in their lane, regardless yeah, yeah, yeah. of the lane that they are in. And I, I feel very passionately about that. Luckily, I've become dear, dear friends with so many SLP, SVSs mm-hmm. across the country. And um, I think we've all earned the respect of each other. And now we are having wonderful conversations. And I think these, this is not the intent of this podcast today, but they're super important conversations that need to happen. And they need to keep happening because the voice teaching world is not regulated. And until it is regulated, (laughs) we're not going to regulate the SBS world from the singing teacher perspective. Yeah. And, and that is where much of the problem lies, but we can hold each other accountable voice teachers that really have not done specialized training to do that work, mm-hmm. you know, but mm-hmm. so many people want to be doing that work. Yeah. Uh, but I'll just say, I'll complete with it with this. I'll just say that if you're somebody who wants to do that work, you, you really need to be clear to get the right mentorship and, and, uh, the, the hours and years of training to do it properly. But most importantly, or in addendum to that, you must be working regularly with a voice team. Yeah. You cannot call yourself an SVS and be working with injured singers unless you are regularly on your voice team with your laryngologist or otolaryngologist voice specialist and mm. your speech language pathology colleagues. You know, I'm always amazed um, when I am, you know, in, in our clinic and we're talking about research or whatever. And I'm always amazed just how much I know about voice. And then when Dr. Schweinfurth starts to talk, I'm always like, and he goes into like chemical drug interactions and like my mind just goes, man, I'm really not very smart. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, because I'm just like, the, he's in, you know, like, because the, they end up, yes, we all sort of deal with the voice, but we all come at it from our own perspectives and our own, and we all bring different things to that, to that table um, that are mm-hmm. all important. But I, I, I think what you, what you said there is, is important because it's always a reminder for me, like, man, I don't, I, I don't really know. Like I, I can say, okay, I've read what like a drug, a, a side effect has on a, on the voice. But at the same time, you know, the, 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 our otolaryngologist can tell me why that chemical reaction happens inside the body. 
I can't. That's yeah. right. You know. That's right, Nick. We don't. We don't. We have not gone to medical school, so I know a ton about reflux. Mm-hmm. I mean, I spend oh, more sure. time talking about reflux than anything, right? But I've never been to medical school. I don't understand so many layers mm-hmm. to the aspect of that to be either diagnosing through Facebook if somebody has reflux. <laughs> or wow. <laughs> or diagnosing because I hear something in the voice and saying, well, that sounds like reflux. Well, I'm sorry, what does reflux, reflux sound, sound like? like yeah. right. So I, I think that we have to be so careful. And I'm so indebted to the speech language pathology colleagues and my medical doctors who are always there to answer my questions, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they're, they're so generous with their knowledge. And I think such a good lesson, too, also just the perspective of us as voice teachers. And we talked about this, which can be a nice little transition, but we talked about this a lot at, when we were in, in Los Angeles for the PED Summit, the idea of knowing when to refer out. Like it's an important skill for all of us, you know, as 21st century voice teachers of, of knowing when do we need to refer out to a, a, an SLP or to actually, you know, to a to an auto to get scoped or, or whatever. I mean, like we, we need mm-hmm. to that is something we need to be aware of. Mm-hmm. You know, com- completely. For sure. So that's great. So in 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 2018, um, we had our sort of second round of voice pedagogy summit things and um <laughs> i don't i don't really still know what to call it to this day but um we we had a whole bunch of uh, voice teachers in a in a room so that already sounds exciting and um uh, it was an awesome group oh my gosh that was a great Group. And I, you know, and then uh, we had a couple people g- get up and give talks to the group, and Kari was one of them. Um, mm. And uh, she had already written this article for Scott McCoy's column in Journal of Singing um, uh, called uh, 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 Putting Forth a Framework for Evidence Based Voice Pedagogy, sort of built off the idea of evidence voiced medicine. Is that fair to say? correct right yep and i'll back you up a second though nick before you keep going is actually i was writing the paper for the venard conference and and evidence-based pedagogy came about during the process of writing that paper so when i came to the summit i did not had not written the paper I had just, I will never forget, there was, as I was writing the Venard paper, I kept coming across different language for science-based, evidence-based, fact-based, right? Mm -hmm. And somehow there was a series of events that happened, including um, Edie Hapner speaking at the conference here that I'm the, one of Uh the chairs of, the the Northwest Voice, Art and Science of the Performing Voice, yes. And there were several events that happened, but at her presentation, she had those three circles from evidence-based practice. And I was hit by a ton of bricks. And then I spoke with my dear colleague, Mara Kapsner-Smith, who's a brilliant researcher and speech language pathologist. She helped put some pieces together. And about a week later, I was sitting in my house working on the Venard paper, and I suddenly had goosebumps. I put a bunch of dots together and thought, wait a minute, we have evidence-based medicine and evidence-based practice in the fields that we I collaborate with yep. daily. 
Yep. Mm-hmm. What are we doing with evidence-based pedagogy? I thought of it as science-based and fact-based. I'm like, but wait a minute. When you learn about evidence-based medicine, it is not just the science. And so I had these goosebumps and thought, wait a minute, do I really want to take this on? Do I really think that I am qualified to come up with a framework for evidence-based voice pedagogy and that I could push it forth on our profession? (laughs) Uh, And and you have been one of my biggest advocates and fierce advocates in doing so. And I'm so grateful because I think it's important. And and I feel like I just stole it from the evidence-based medicine and practice world, right? It was right there for us to model after. Um, yeah. So anyway, so then I wrote the paper after. I, I somewhat wrote it for the Venard sure. presentation, yeah. but then really went about defining it. And then the paper was published that following November. That sounds right. Um, and I've been using it in class since. Well, I, you know, this I think true. I think here's the thing that that um, really, I guess, spoke to me about it was that it just sort of represented everything that I was already doing and teaching and mm-hmm. and it was just written down and thought through and clarified and and whatever and as Sarah would tell you I'm really good about thinking about things and not so good about organizing them yes <laughs> a little um, no, but it, it's very unifying because I think so many people that maybe are uh, maybe have slightly in opposition to the idea of the science-based, the research-based voice pedagogy, the more traditional teachers, to see it presented in this sense, we're like, no, no, it's not just this. It's not just, oh, I only do it like in this science thing and I do this, this, this. No, it's that. Plus the anecdotal evidence, you know, you combine it with your experience and the students. And I think it's so much more approachable that way. Right. I'm glad. And that was exactly, Sarah, you just really hit the point of it. As I was writing this Bernard paper where, as Nick knows, I was pretty emphatically saying, well, I did, I had a slide that had (laughs) Judge Judy slapping her wristwatch saying, time's up, time's up, you know, Uh hashtag, hashtag time's up in that I just, we have to hold our profession accountable since we are not regulated and licensed and certified. And my my presentation was pretty hot um, in in really calling out people. And I have colleagues in mind that teach very uh, traditional, mm-hmm. that are not interested in picking up an article. Um, they teach the way they've always taught. So I kept thinking of them and thinking, well, my intent is not to offend anyone. Yeah, you don't want to ostracize people. That's exactly it. And so I that's part of why the EBP... Uh, goosebumps, I think, because I thought, wait a minute, this is a way to say, if you're somebody who's been out having a professional elite career, and now Mm -hmm. you're coming into stage act two of your profession, and you're going to teach, you have such incredibly valuable information that somebody that never sang on the stage of the Met or La Scala has, right? Mm -hmm. However, I want you to enter in knowing that those of us who have spent a lifetime teaching and studying how to teach and studying anatomy and physiology and acoustics and cognition and motor learning, right? We also have a wealth of knowledge. So let's stop pitting us against them and and bring all of our unique 
talents together. And that was really what led me to EVVP. So that in each circle, those of us who live somewhat in voice research, but we also spend our days uh, teaching. Mm-hmm. So we have an expertise, right? But that the, the, the little circle that says voice teacher expertise, those people who have had that elite career and come to teaching mm-hmm. as their second act can feel like I come to the table already Something. with my circle. Yeah. So that was the intent of it. Um, yeah. Okay. So, so there, the, the three circles of the Venn diagram uh, for, for this, um, and, and you can see the article for yourself, Vocal Fam, in in, in Journal of Singing. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, but we have so we have voice research, we have voice teacher expertise and experience, and I want you to talk a little bit about that third circle of student goals and perspectives. How how did you sort of come to that, and what what was the sort of intent behind including that? I wish I could say that I was, you know, so brilliant and came up with it. But what I have to give credit to once again is that I modeled it after EBM. Right. Right. Mm. So I didn't come up with this model out of the blue. I stole yeah. it. I had, let me say I adapted. Adapt. Adapted. <laughs> yeah. well, listen, listen, voice teachers are really good at adapting things because we didn't invent, invent anatomy either. And we've adapted yeah. that pretty well for the singing voice. And let me just tell you that I only can count two voice Three, maybe three or four voice people off the top of my head who could do a fast Fourier transform by hand. Uh, so, and we, a lot of us are using spectrograms now. So, any, anyway, sorry. <laughs> no, that's hilarious. So that's how I took it from uh, EBM identifies patient values and expectations, and so I thought, oh my gosh, yes, the students get their own little circle mm-hmm. on the Venn diagram as well, and it's it's that kind of holistic approach to voice teaching that right. that it's not just a, a mechanism standing in front of us a vocal mechanism it's a, yeah. an entire person right and one of my favorite things as a voice teacher is being attuned to each student who walks through my door i, I see 35 singers a week one-on-one goodness uh, gracious i have 38 years lot. I see 35 singers a week between my private studio oh. and my university full-time job. So I... <laughs> how, do you, how do you maintain sanity? Uh, the last two years did me in. Uh, so this is my what? first weekend that I've had free in two years. Oh, my uh, gosh. That I've, so I'm now starting a little bit of a new... I see, I see light, and I'm, I'm grateful for the light, but... Yeah. So anyway, I stay sane because I love what I do. We all do. Right? Anyway, sorry. That's so true. Treating, we love what we do. treating them all as individuals. So, I mean, Sarah can say this is something yeah. I preach in ped class all. Yes. I mean, constantly. You have to be tuned into them when they walk through the door. Even, you know, I have singers with me for years and years and years. Right. And so mm-hmm. I know them. Well, we support each other through life. They're very good to me as well. They they're tuned into me, especially the last few years with things going on. And, and I'm so grateful. But I love being able to kind of sense, is this a day that I need to kick them in the tushy a little bit? Yeah. Is it a day that they need empathy? Is it a day that they need to be there and just sing? Um, is it time to challenge them? Right. What, what are their needs on that day? And because we all carry so many expectations. Right. And, and so anyway, there is days where I just want them to use the music as a healing mm. uh, aspect mm. of the day. 
Um, and other days where I'm like, look, you talk about wanting these goals. What are you really doing to achieve that? Let's talk. Let's get real. Right. Mm-hmm. So I love that part of our job um, as voice teachers, that that being attuned to our students needs. So that's what that for me that's what the student goals. I have students that are avocational. Their goals are different than those who are wanting to really have a career in opera or musical theater. Mm-hmm. I have, and then of course I deal with injured singers on a regular basis. Right. Right. So what I, what they need from me is completely different. Totally. Totally. Yeah. So that's what that circle is. Um, you know, one of the things that I when when i've presented this in class i i've i've gotten asked sort of yes but what do you sort of do how do you balance in that circle maybe the student who thinks that uh how do i frame this um like w- with a you know how do you balance giving the student what they need but at the same time balance it with particularly with young students who don't really even know what they need but maybe have desires about what they want <laughs> you know and I'm, I'm, I'm yes. often asked about that perspective you know maybe like the the 16 year old or 15 year old comes in and and wants to immediately sing i don't know defying gravity or something and that's their whole point of taking voice lessons is or to the sing 12 year old or the 12 year old and who, sort said, of, who comes in and says i want to sing hamilton and i'm like Right. So I've sort of been asked that a few times of how do you balance the student needs and expectations if they they're expecting one thing and you're saying another. Um, that that's the one thing that and students Nick, have asked me about. So Nick, when you're talking about that, are you talking about balance if a student is asking to sing something they shouldn't? Yeah. I mean, that's sort of that's sort of been one of the the questions that that my ped students have sort of asked, you know, if we're trying to meet students' needs, but also their own expectations, sort of how do you manage their expectations, uh, you know, within that, within the reality that you as the teacher still probably do know what's better for them than maybe they do, uh, at least as a particularly young singer. And I, yeah, it's such a great uh, conversation to have, I think. I've softened a little in that, you know, I've got some late teen, late twenties, excuse me, emerging professional singers. They've gotten mm-hmm. their graduate or doctorate degrees with me at UW, and they'll come in and they'll want to sing that next level of fach, that yeah. next heavier operatic mm-hmm. fach. And I'm like, well, that's not, you know, that's not what we do. We stay in our lane. And I really let soft, but I'm like, let's see what it does for your voice. There, I know that they're not going to hurt themselves because you know, we're working together regularly. They've been studying with me. They understand functional technique. And beyond that, I'm like, go, go explore. And then let's see what we come up with. That doesn't mean they're going to take it to Seattle Opera and audition with it. Right. Yes. Now with the, with the younger ones, like you're talking about the want to sing defying gravity, same thing. It's like our initial reaction is, well, how dare they, they aren't old enough they don't have the vocal instrument to do so you know and we definitely want to make them aware that you can hurt yourself sure if you right so we all know that but if that's the if that's their segue into studying the voice and their love of singing and they will be future patrons of our field true 
Is there a way that we can guide them? Let's sing a little Defying Gravity. Maybe let's not sing it in the same way that Adina Menzel does with a, yeah. a more mature voice. And so I, I think that we can navigate that with a little less black and white. Mm. Yes. I'd like as long as we know that they're not hurting themselves. I, I'm always talking about the fact that so many of our things that we don't want to talk about, like, for example, even managing the singing voice specialist conversation, so many of those complex mm -hmm. conversations that we really need to have end up being in the gray areas of life and not the black and white areas of life. And it's much more comfortable to turn life into black and white, but really the complexity's in the gray. And that's where sort of the trenches, in the trenches conversations are had so, so often. It is. And it goes to intent, right? Yeah. It always, yes. before we all get entrenched in our black and white thinking, it's like, what is the intent? And both from us as the teacher and the student. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so, I, I'm curious how, um, you know, obviously this evidence-based voice pedagogy thing is, is, a, is a more recent thing of the last few years, but how long have you been working on the book? Oh, oh yeah. gosh. Um, you know, I actually was had started an article. I've wanted for many years to write, um, and I'm going to say this uh, uh, this systematic approach, which is not my idea, right? That's been handed to us in so many ped books across decades, sure. right? That somewhere in almost all the ped books is respiration, phonation, registration, articulation, resonance, right? Sure. Mm -hmm. I didn't make that up. But when I, the more I studied it and, and started, and it's probably because of, I have a I am a person with learning challenges, right? I, from the time I was in elementary school, I was diagnosed with this particular type of learning challenge. And so I think because of that, it's turned out to be a gift in a way because I see things in certain way. I have to see things in a certain way for them to make sense to me. Hmm. And so the more I could see this five system approach as I'm diagnosing, and it probably comes a lot from my SVS work with injured singers, because sure. yeah. you have to really get down and understand sure. what is going on in each system to help rehabilitate. So I have had this idea and I started to write an article and I thought, gosh, and it was before I got the call from Lynn Helding um, that mm. December that said, would you like to, I'd like you to write a paper and present at Menard. And I was so overwhelmed and honored. And so I was working on this systematic approach article, but I had already had the book in my head. And as I worked so hard on that and I, I realized that really there was the intro to each chapter of my book I was writing on. So uh. I, I, the people that I was writing it for, I said, I'm so sorry. I, 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 I don't have time right now to submit an article. And, and there, so I started on it before Bernard. So that was what, two and a half years ago now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, really yeah. So that was that. So I, whatever, I don't know what year we're in 2020. So 17, fall of 17. Okay. Ironically, before that, probably five years ago, Brenda Smith had approached me at a Voice Foundation conference and came up to me at a Nats lunch and said, I've been wanting to touch base with you. I, I represent Plural Publishing and I'd like you to write a book for us. Are you interested? Wow. And I, 
I was yeah. beyond honored. At the time, I wanted to write a book, and I'm still going to, so don't, I don't want anybody to steal the title, but I, <laughs> I really want to write a book called Demystifying Vocal Health. The things, ah. that we, the things that we see on Facebook all the time. What do I do when I have a cold? What do I reflux? Of course, yeah. I've written an article on intubation and, you know, those kinds of maybe some cool down, stuff that I've already written. And I want it to be in a place that we teachers always trying to write things that I don't have to keep repeating myself because I see 35 people a week. Yeah. <laughs> well, and you know, it's funny that the the article that I had in Journal of Singing that just dropped this week on nasality, yeah. that's literally why I yeah. wrote it. I was so sick <laughs> of seeing <laughs> the same conversation about nasality happen in a Facebook group. And I was just like, I'm, I'm sort of done. There's better information than we're all having as than this conversation that we're yeah. sort of regurgitating as a community. There's better information out there. Let me at least just put it in one place so people can say, you know, so that they didn't have to go grab this article from Journal of Voice and this article from Journal of Voice and this article from whatever and this whatever. Yeah. And just so that they had it in one place and they could at least for 2020 say, oh, well, you know, there's a really concise little article in journal of singing that perna wrote that, that that really summarizes this so that's funny that's actually kind of why that article exists because i was just frustrated <laughs> yep and you know p i know i have not read that yet but i'm seeing everybody rave about it on on facebook so i can't wait to get my hands on really it short i love that so it, you know and that was part of the other great goal is that it was not but anyway um i i love that i Yes, that's what motivated. I I love that, and I love the um the organization of of the book. Now, if I'm correct, not only do you write about each topic, but you have exercises for each topic. Is that correct? Yeah. Oh wow. Yes. So so the main point of the book, we did not, in my opinion, at least from my perspective of what I could offer, uh, I am not the person to write a book on the incredibly incredible wealth of knowledge on anatomy, physiology, acoustic cognition, right? I mean, there, sure. Scott McCoy's book is so remarkable, sure. in my opinion. And what I wanted is part two of Scott McCoy's book. And he yes. knows this, I've told him this. Um, really, my book is part two. And um, I teach uh, the pedagogy at the university. And so the second semester, I, I know you do as well, Nick, um, is the application, teaching yep. your students mm -hmm. how to be great. And I wanted a book for that class. Gotcha. So what the book is, I, I definitely, in each of the five systematic chapters, there is an overview uh, in broad terms, some some in-depth detail, but not like McCoy or Vocal Athlete or Ingo Tietze and Kitty Vertolini's The Vocology or Principles of... Right, I could go on and on with yeah, the books yeah, yeah, that yeah. have done mm -hmm. so. Yeah, and in fact, one of the... I had 12 reviewers that plural got, and a couple of them were like, well, it's not thorough enough to be a pedagogy uh, primary source. I was like, it wasn't intended to yeah, be. Yeah, that's the point. <laughs> right. So thank you. So, yeah, it's the point for primary. It, it's a book that could be used for the primary for the application because the kids will have read McCoy or whatever book you use to really get into it. And then my book, the the like I said, each chapter, I didn't finish my thought, forgive me, is divided into an overview mm -hmm. of the mm -hmm. respiration phonation, um, each chapter. And... So they'll read it and go, oh, yeah, I remember reading that. I remember studying mm -hmm. that. 
Then teacher takeaways. Why do I want you to know about antagonism and the respiratory mechanics for singing? Mm -hmm. Right. So here are the real teacher takeaways that I think are important to know. And then the rest of each chapter is about 20 exercises, thinking systematically. So there are 20 exercises that are really to address respiration, phonation, registration, articulation, and resonance, understanding the interdependence and independence of each system, of course. Absolutely. Well, you know, (laughs) I think that's a really great resource, particularly because sort of the point that you were making about for the second semester course or Mm -hmm. however you organize it. I mean, one of the things that we were talking about when we were out there for Ped Summit is sort of that many of us have a difficult time working practicum in to our sequence. It's really sort of one of the current problems Uh, with a lot of the pedagogy classes that voice pedagogy uh, we did an episode a year and a half ago that Sarah wasn't even on she was sick and I I called it what is voice pedagogy because I I think I think it had I think it had become like this I, I find it hard to say that voice pedagogy is a field this is my own opinion and I uh, but but and and, 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 uh, and you know now it's like we view voice pedagogy as this skewed view of voice science sort of meets mysticism I think almost like you know you're gonna learn about words like you know cricothyroid and formant and that's what voice pedagogy is except. Voice pedagogy really was supposed to be a class that hopefully sort of taught you how to be a voice teacher, you know, and that really happened. And yes, obviously, you know, like knowing the things that you need to know to be a voice teacher, sort of your overview sections. Sure. Yes, we need to know things, whatever, probably more than a singer needs to know to sing well. But um, but there's no really great text for practicum. I mean, I've scoured the books. I mean, you have to really pull sources from different this this source and that source and the other source. I mean, honestly, probably the closest thing that I could even think of would probably still be Jim McKinney's book. And the reason I don't use that is because it's so slanted toward Western classical singing that I just don't feel like I can use it anymore. But so I'm really excited to get your book. I I, I really am. I'm very excited. Thank you, Nick. And I did try and I I talk about a functional, you know, a baseline of singing technique that then you can Mm -hmm. move into the aesthetic that you need so that it's not genre specific because at the baseline, we have to have functional singing. Now, within that yes. functional singing, if you're working with a CCMer, you might work on more of a divergent vocal tract shape. And if, if you're working with a classical, a convergent, right? Yes. And and that can be implicit in the in the exercises. I talk about that. Choose the aesthetic that you want, but use this exercise. But I think even more importantly, I do not believe there are magic exercises, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 so these exercises can be altered depending on what the needs of the individual are. And, I like uh, that you have so many because I'm still, you know, a fairly new voice teacher myself. It's it's still new. And so I often, like I was actually just talking to him yesterday about a student I had where I had run through 
the exercises I was familiar with for a problem and was like, I need more because these that I've tried aren't working for this specific student. Right. Like They've been successful with my other ones, but it's not working for her. And so to have a resource that would have, I think, 20, I mean, surely something in there you could you could either use or modify to use for a student. It'd be a great starting oh. point anyway. You reminded me, Sarah, of something I, that I hope would help somebody um, as a young teacher. Uh, uh, let me back up just a second. I do think the Vocal Athlete Workbook is mm -hmm. uh, sure. They That, that yeah. would be another one that to me is the yeah. application. Um, and they've done such a great job. They've included so many different teachers. Absolutely. I, um, where mine is different is that it's for me and I and my I teach many, many singers who are teachers I have mm -hmm. I don't know right now I I've always had you know I probably have 10 to 12 right now in my studio that are singers and have full-time studios in some mm -hmm. fashion or another they are making a living at teaching so I have such an opportunity to teach other teachers and so because of the way my brain works I know that when I'm hearing a singer the first thing I kind of do is diagnose through the five systems a little bit of the James McKenney but with really specific, am I here? And of course, it's never one problem, right? We know that one system impacts the other. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But do I think that I can devise a vocal task uh, or give them a kinesthetic tool entering in through one system, either a respiration mm -hmm. task, a registration task, a resonance task? And so if you, Sarah, if you're listening to this student and you're thinking, I'm hearing this. I think that maybe the primary issue lies in the respiration. Mm -hmm. And then you could get into the respiration chapter and think, oh, this exercise will help address that issue. So that's kind of yeah. where that's my hope is that it gives people a much more clear pathway into devising. Well, first of all, diagnosing and then devising a solution. A solution, yeah, yeah. Is eight. Absolutely. Path. Absolutely. That's my hope. So. Oh yeah. Sorry, I was trying yeah. to I was trying to mute my messages. I had forgotten to do it oh. before we started, and I kept getting I wasn't dings. Hearing them. No, it was a you know you know vocal fam how you get stuck in a group message that you can't get out of. Yes. <laughs> like there should be a song about it. Like stuck in a group message, it's but like I being can't held hostage, get honestly. out of it. <laughs> exactly. I put them on do not disturb all the time yes. i'm gonna be honest my family group message like with, with me and my family it's on do not disturb if sarah's being honest her group message with michael and i is on do not disturb a lot no too. It's, it's actually not <laughs> which is a little sometimes is a problem because i'll be like asleep and all of a sudden i'll just hear like buzz 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 buzz, buzz, buzz. And i'm like what is happening and i look and i miss 30 messages from them and i'm like Oh my gosh! And then y'all get muted, and I go back. <laughs> I will anyway. say you do then get muted. Um, Kari, <laughs> when does the book come out? It will uh, come out uh, j mid June. I, I my joke right now is that I'm ABV, so anybody in academia, <laughs> oh. see, my, my non-academic friends don't get that joke. I'm ABV. I'm all but video because there will be okay. video. Um, connected to every single exercise. People ah. can buy the book ah. and then they'll go to the Plural Publishing website and if they want to see a student, a singer of mine, 
demonstrate each exercise, just one scale of sure. each. Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. And so, and then at the, the chapter eight of the book are eight sample warm ups. So there's four for um, female, four for male. And mm-hmm. I, I do speak to gender challenges or concerns, sure. um, but I, I did identify them as four. And then there are within the four gender is uh, two classical for each and two CCM. So one that's more advanced. So there is like a female classical emerging professional, professional graduate level. Okay. And then there's a female CCM for your teenagers, undergraduate yeah. level. And there are full, there's eight exercises per sample warm up. So, um, yeah, so all of those warm ups, or sorry, all of the exercises will have a video that people can observe. So I'm ABV, all but video, as of six days ago. Now, the videos, uh, they'll be on a website? They will be on the plural website. Once you buy the book, you get a code, I think, is how it works. Okay. So June, I believe mid-June is when the official launches. Um, I know they plan on doing something at the Nats conference yeah, in I figure they'll have a booth probably, Art. yeah. Yeah, they'll do a launch there. And so sometime in June is when it'll be available is my understanding. So perfect. So where can- Go ahead. I was say, so where all can you get the book? I think plural, and I think Amazon. Okay, uh, Amazon's my my friend. And yeah, for sure, Plural Publishing is you know they're the owners of it. Okay, um, yeah, but I sense. think they post on Amazon as well. And Vocal okay, Fam, great. if you just Google Kari Reagan and uh, Plural, it will pop up yes. immediately. Yes. Um, that's yeah. true because I or just did that Kari Reagan book. That's what I did. I just typed. I was like, I don't even know. I don't know the name of the book. I don't know where the book's going. I was like, I'm just gonna type book, and it came well, up. Just in case you're curious, my, my website desperately needs an update, so I'm hoping to do that before June, and it'll be available there as uh, well. Speaking <laughs> of speaking of hashtag Nats and Knox, early registration deadline coming yeah. up April one. Um, are you pre- you're presenting at Nat- Nats and Knox too, aren't you? Yes, and let me just I thank you for reminding me of that because um, what I've asked is three of my colleagues to to join me for that EBVP presentation. So Ian Howell and I have been talking with him for gosh two years almost about this, or I guess a year and a half. We are going to take the voice science component and flesh it out further than what's in the November December two thousand eighteen articles. And then Lynn Heldian and I are going to take the student goals and perspectives and flesh it out. And then um, Ken Bozeman and I are going to take take the teacher expertise and experience and flesh it out a little bit further. And wow. so we'll we'll present that um, at the conference. Do you know when you're, you're presenting? Yeah, when is it? I do you? I'm presenting Monday morning, or we, the four of us, will present Monday morning at 9 a.m. Oh, perfect. Oh, that's right not after, bad at all. Right after Yvonne and Lori. Perfect. Yeah. That's great. Yvonne and Lori that's are Monday at 7.45. Oh, they're, oh, bless their heart. They're early. Well, early. we're Sunday at 7.45. Oh, bless your heart. <laughs> yeah. Eh, yeah. We're fine. Well, we will definitely look forward to that because that, I mean, yeah. that will be definitely one that we don't want to miss um, with all of our friends who, because Lynn's coming on the podcast in April to talk about her new book. Her new book. I know. Isn't it fantastic? Uh, oh. And uh, so all of those people who are presenting with you have been on Vocal Fry. So it's a great group, Vocal Fam. 
definitely want to come and see all these people who you've been hearing in headphones for all these years live. Years. Um, and congratulations to you guys because you're now under a Nats umbrella yes. with your podcast. Yeah. Very um, exciting. Yeah. Alan and I. Uh, that uh, Alan and I have been talking about this since since Vegas. Um, so, uh, I've been bugging him about it and, and, uh, (laughs) we were actually just sort of reminiscing with Yvonne and Lori that when we had been in Philly last spring for voice foundation before our Nats lunch, Alan and I had sort of sat down and had our first more formalized talk about what, what this was going to look like. Um, so I heard his podcast with you a couple weeks ago. Yes. Yes. We're all looking forward to the, to the national conference. It's going to be, it's going to be both absolutely wonderful and absolutely exhausting. Yes. Um, Stock up on your energy drinks or coffee or whatever. uh, No. Yeah. Coffee, cough, plenty of coffee. Your your preferred caffeinated beverage of choice. (laughs) Right. It's such a great time. Always. Well, first one. It, Sarah's first one. She's yeah, not been never before. Been. Oh, you're going to love it, Sarah. It's a remarkable. Such, it's so remarkable to get together with your colleagues and, you know, the energy that you leave with and the inspiration and the ideas. And uh, it's really a special time. I'm definitely excited, especially because I went to Voice Foundation last year, but I didn't oh. really know anybody. And so, you know, I would see these people and I kind of recognize them, but I, I certainly wasn't like about to walk up to them and talk. I was like, Sarah, that's Johan Sundberg. And she was like, I yeah. know. Honestly, still probably wouldn't walk up and talk to him because I'd be like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. But because I've gotten to speak with so many people over the past year, I feel like going into this, I actually really know some people going in and I'm going to I'll be comfortable actually walking up to them and like having a conversation. And so I'm, I'm definitely ex- and I know a little bit more what to expect out of a conference, although it sounds like Nats and Knox is certainly different from uh, voice foundation. So I'm excited. Very different. And, but people are, I know my first time at Nat at voice foundation, I was overwhelmed that like you, I was like, oh, there's Sunberg. Yeah. And, but like so approachable. <laughs> I really learned from watching the, those uh, people at the voice foundation in particular, uh, how to be really a mentor to the next generation that, and because they have all, I mean, the first time I approached Ingo at a Nats conference, I don't know when, uh, and he sat there and talked to me like for 15 yeah. minutes. Right. And I hadn't even published anything. Right. I was, he wouldn't yeah. have known who I am from Adam. It, yeah. And he just sat and spoke with me and I thought, Oh, I just had a 15 And then Johan <laughs> who didn't know me. And I, I, uh, I, when I, received the Van Lawrence Award, and I had no idea what I was doing with research. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not a researcher. And he sat down with me for an hour to look at the data, which I couldn't read because my SLPs read it on my behalf. Yeah. And he yeah. sat and looked at it and analyzed it. And he was the one that said, well, Kari, I think this is what you need to do next. And, and, gave, and that's what led to the second research project. And it was all because he took an hour of his time, same with and Ron Cher. And looked at my data. I was overwhelmed by the generosity of yeah. these people, and so I I think it's important we keep doing that. And, and yeah, speaking <laughs> speaking of research, I very much need to have a conversation with you. Uh, not not on vocal fry necessarily. Okay. However. <laughs> What I would like to do next year is to take 
our laryngeal manipulation video that we've been testing as vocal warm up Mm -hmm. and flip it on its head and look at it as uh, in comparison to some cool down stuff. Yeah. Uh, So it's sort of where I would like to. So I I, I really want to pick your brain about cool down a bit, Um, but I'm not yet. And I say not yet because I prefer to read things first. So I actually have a conversation prepared um, and I haven't had a a reading list. (laughs) Yes. Kari's written on it quite a bit. Um, And so I saw I um, saw. So I, I, but, but just know that that that's coming, um, because I, I think that's that. you've been warned. It's 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 where we want to go next. It's sort of the most logical thing um, that, that that comes next after after these two years of testing um, on you know looking at including it in warm up. We need to see what's you know if 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 it's playing any role in cool down or can play any role in cool down. Um, so that that's that's anyway anyway. I it just it I it, I love that. Yeah. I'm following your research on that and your work on that. I'm I'm really curious to 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 know more about that and what you're going to do with it. And I don't know what chat. I don't know. I I I've had an influx <laughs> of subjects all of a sudden, um, hey. and. Uh, I, if I could give you any Nats and Knox preview of what we're going to present in terms of this year's work, I would, Good. but I haven't analyzed any of it yet. I have a whole bunch of data, but it's all just stored on a bunch of different hard drives. Uh, so uh, <laughs> none of it. If you can analyze it yourself, Nick, I'll be infinitely impressed. Well, by you. <laughs> I can analyze. I can extract. Sarah can. We can both extract. Say, we can extract. Can the stuff from the PAS. They're what two weeks from now. Yeah, sh- so. Sarah, Sarah actually last year earned. Sarah earned her keep um, as a graduate assistant, extracting data from from the PAS. So much. Um, it was all right. What we what we're not good at is running numbers, but um, Josh Josh well, Glasner has been for, right. <laughs> Josh Glasner has been so good about running our numbers for us. Um, oh, that. Nice. Uh, that uh, I owe him many bottles of beverages. Um, <laughs> but uh, anyway, Kari, as you know, um, we're, we're to that point. We also are a, a part pop culture podcast. I know you were trepidatious about this part, but if you want to tell us about your dog, about your doggos, I mean, we also love dogs, right, Sarah? I do love dogs. I've been, I've locked mine out of this room, and she's really mad at me. Ah! Oh. Oh, we have a puppers on the podcast. Oh, oh he's rather—he's become rather famous. He makes uh, appearances on Nat's chat, and of course, he—if you're—if you're on Facebook, you see me post about him all the time. But look at what that little face. Now, what yeah, is his name again? The love of my life. This is Oliver, and he—oh, yes, thank you, Bubby. Oh, he, he is um, a Havanese, and very much the the. My raison d'être. <laughs> He's uh, so sweet. He's the little therapy dog for my students. They everybody walks in, and he knows which love which students love him a little more than others. The ones that get on the floor immediately and let him kiss him. And he he's so sweet. When people come in, and he can tell they're upset, and they'll sit on the couch, and he immediately gets up and climbs in their lap and just cuddles oh, with them. He, he's yeah, he's a, a part of the voice studio, and 
um, and has kept me sane the last two years because as I, I literally, truly, everybody has heard me say this, I've had five days off until this Christmas in two years. And so he forces me to get out on walks. I live in the beautiful Pacific Northwest out in the foothills of the mountains and we walk at least twice a day. And so he, he has been my salvation for sure, getting me out on, on wonderful walks. I'm sorry, I don't have anything more exciting in the no, pop like perfect. Scott McCoy and his breeding tropical fish. I thought, well, I, I scuba dive, or I used to. That's interesting. I that is traveled the world a, a bit and had exciting adventures one time in my life. And but <laughs> nothing well, we exciting is the tro- breeding tropical fish like Scott McCoy. Uh, <laughs> well. I mean, you know, we've 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 sort of run the gamut at this point with we people's have. activities. We've had crosswords, splitting wood. I mean, we've heard it all. Yeah, yeah, we've <laughs> we've sort of run the gamut at this point. Uh, That's true. But, but I was afraid you were going to ask a Star Wars or something because I don't know anything. No, about we we <laughs> would no, no, we no, would no. never ask anyone trivia, for example. <laughs> that that that's oh, yeah. that's. Uh, we just want to know what what you do when you're not doing music. <laughs> Yeah, or singing, or voice. Yeah. Sadly, in the last few years, the, the, uh, not much. Well, but you have a cute dog. Oh, that's but funny. I have a Dogs are like dog. a full-time job. And I do hey. understand the therapy dog aspect. I'll tell you that. My wife says that my dog is been has given me better mental health than I've had our entire marriage. So uh, I can, I can testify to that. Also, last night, my son... You know, my son, who who who's a recently diagnosed diabetic, he um, yeah, I read a, that. He had a low blood sugar last night, and we 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 took care of it. It was no problem. It wasn't like yeah. an emergency or anything. But uh, he and my dog are they? He's sort of been the family member who the dog and he have not really he's bonded. He's trepidatious. Yeah. yeah he, oh. And last night, Charlie came out and sat on the couch when he had the low, and Tony immediately got on the couch and just plopped his head on Charlie's knee. Uh, just to be like, Hey, something's wrong. You're not usually like this. Um, so all all these wonderful therapy dogs. I love dogs. True. They just, they really make a difference, at least for those of us who love them. Absolutely. So so vocal fam, you can also of course catch Kari on Nat's chat. If you've never watched Nat's chat, all the back episodes are on YouTube. Um, and, uh, you have how many more this season? Two? Uh, what is it? It's March. What are we coming up in March? So March, April, May. So March um, next Sunday All will right. be um, uh, Aaron Ziegler, and we'll be talking about cannabis. I'm really oh. looking forward to that. I don't know if where you live it's a thing, but here in the Seattle area, of course, it's legal. And so right. the students want to know, and and not just about smoking it. We all know that smoking it, right? The yeah, yeah. But what my students really want to know is what about does does vaping make a difference? Does and what about like ed- the oils? Edibles? Well, and the edibles as well. Yeah. So he's going to be um, on talking about that. I'm really looking forward to getting some facts and background sure absolutely a very important discussion as more and more states probably will legalize it i mean yeah that's definitely i'm sure mississippi will be on the tail end of mississippi that. will be the last state in the united It'll states be the to last. Do that, yes. i have no idea if it's legal in georgia i really don't know i don't think so i think oh see i was gonna say i think it might be but no i don't, I don't know I don't just based so. on some uh smells i've smelled but no. that doesn't necessarily mean no. anything no <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, sarah I don't know. <laughs> I'm all 
walk around the apartment complex, you smell things, you just kind of go with it. Maybe it was a skunk. I don't know. I'm gonna stop now. I'm just, I'm just going down a weird path. You're probably gonna, have, you're probably gonna cut this out, aren't you? I can tell. Uh, I don't know. Oh. Any, anyway, anyway, Kari, thank you so much for coming on thank Vocal Fry. So we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll be excited to share this next week with the Vocal Fam. This has been great. Thank you so well, much. Thank you, Nick for all your support. I really means a lot to no, me. You were no right there when I launched the EBVP. So My thank pleasure. you. So thank good. you guys for all that you do for voice. All right. Thank you, Kari. Oh, thank you, vocal fam. We'll talk to y'all later. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye.